So guys, what's the most annoying thing about McDonald's for you? <laughs> the line. <laughs> the weight. Are you going to tell me there's something worse than a weight? I never get the right sauces. That's, far enough. That's unfortunate. Mine's the goddamn ice cream machine. That too. But I just got a Dairy Queen. I'm not that fortunate. I have a McDonald's. Or a Wendy's. Well. I'm going to take the, the Sunday. Nothing used you. to... Nothing used to piss me off more than mine and her after sex Sundays. And they'd be like, the ice cream machine was down. I'm like, that's worse than blue balls. Super sexy Sundays. Yeah. This is a real thing. If, so, you, would like to, if you would like to look into this, we've talked about this on the Vulgarians, I think, before. Yeah. The super have. sexy. Part. Yeah. So let's go ahead and get into the episode, guys. Uh, welcome to Creeps in the Crypt. I'm Eric, and I'm joined by the lovely... Sam. And my gorgeous wife. Satan. Christian. <laughs> uh, see what I'd have to deal with. <laughs> so what are we talking about today, Sam? We are going to dive into the San Ysidro McDonald's massacre. Ooh. Was there an ice cream machine involved? <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> All I can think of is the scene from Falling Down. Where Michael Douglas, <laughs> all he wants is breakfast. <laughs> and uh, he walks in and just, like, whips out a Uzi immediately. So that's all I can think of right now. It's <laughs> like, this this happened at breakfast, right? No, it did not happen at breakfast. Oh. Well, then I can't switched. wait to hear what how this went down. They already switched to lunch menu. I was they really did hoping, switch to lunch menu already, yeah. <laughs> I was really hoping it was based on... You know that falling down was based on uh, this this event. Loosely, sort of. We'll just we'll get there. Okay. So the San Ysidro McDonald's massacre was the eighth deadliest shooting by a single person in U.S. history. The man, James Oliver Huberty, was described as hot-tempered and mean-spirited by some who knew him. He was born in Canton, Ohio, on October 11th. 1942. At three years old, he contracted polio, which left him with a permanent walking disability. In the early 1950s, his mother left him when he refused to move to Pennsylvania Amish country after his dad, Earl, purchased a farm there. Since then, he's been pretty withdrawn. A minister later claimed that James, quote, blamed God for taking his mother away from him. In his early childhood, James developed an interest in guns and shooting them. In 1962, he attended Malone College, a Jesuit community college, where he earned a bachelor's degree in sociology and earned a license for embalming after attending the Pittsburgh Institute of Mortuary Science. But he never pursued a job as an embalmer. What a combination. I know, like he's like primed and ready to go. I almost went to that school. No way. Yeah. Um, So, fun fact, my dad was a mortician, and he was trying to, like, get me into the business, Mm -hmm. and he didn't want to send me to Atlanta, but I almost ended up going to Pittsburgh, and I actually interned as a, um, like, an assistant to a mortician in high school, like, my senior year. Like, when me and Christian were dating in high school, that first summer we were dating, Mm -hmm. I went and worked at a funeral home here. Every day from like seven in the morning to fucking three in the afternoon, 
That's a lot of dead bodies. That yeah. was my favorite lunch dates. <laughs> <laughs> that would be. You know, I'm I'm not surprised by that. You should whatsoever. Be. I got to work the crematorium. It was it was pretty fucking cool. I got to stitch a uh, hold a dead guy's leg on while they stitched it back on to his body. It was it was, it was fucking intense shit. Y- yeah, I would have to agree with that. At the Pittsburgh Institute, he met a woman named Etna, and they got married in 1965. They went on to have two daughters, Zelia and Cassandra. James and Etna then moved to Massillon, Ohio, where he found work as an undertaker at a funeral home, along with other jobs that he quickly lost. I, how do you get fucking fired from a funeral home? Like, you have to really suck. I feel like that's really hard to do. Yeah. Um, they're they're dying for employees. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> Too many breaks. I see what you did there. Yeah. <laughs> Too many breaks. Too many lunch breaks. I mean, dude's kind of weird. just so. an overall creepy, unenjoy, un, unenjoyable dude. Well, they said he was mean-spirited. Yeah. I think he was just an asshole. Yeah, that's like a nice way of saying dude was an asshole. Oh, he's a mean undertaker. Oh, we feel so bad. I feel like that's the plot of a Scooby Doo episode. I, I think the whole like the <laughs> point of being a funeral director is to like be compassionate towards the family, and I just doubt this guy had any of that. Is that what an undertaker is? Basically, is a director. Yeah, yeah, funeral director and undertaker are kind of the same. They, undertaker they, sounds they both way the, more ominous than they, a funeral director. They both wear the same hat. Um, in a lot of states, you have to be licensed as both. In certain states, you can you can be a funeral director, but not have to be a mortician. Hmm. So you have to be okay with the dead and living. Yeah. Oh. Good. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So after he lost all the jobs, they ended up moving back to James's hometown after a fire destroyed their home, and he found work as a welder in Canton. James and Etna had a history of domestic violence, both displaying signs of violent behavior. Etna tried to get Zelia to hit a fellow classmate at a birthday party, and then Etna herself threatened the same classmate's mom with a nine millimeter pistol. The, these, this family sounds like just real swell people. Like they are fantastic. Real white trash. Yeah. That would be the best way I could describe. That's kind this of putting it nicely. Yeah. And she was actually later arrested for that, but the gun was never confiscated. Oh, I'm sure that's going to play right in later on in the story, isn't it? <laughs> well, just let me take you for this ride. <laughs> Let's Neat. just go. <laughs> Neat. James threatened to shoot a neighbor's dog after it pooped on his lawn, and he even killed his own dog after a neighbor complained about it damaging his vehicle. Dude. What? What the fuck? So, this guy's just taking pot shots at people's dogs to shit on his lawn? (laughs) Safe to say that the local police knew the Huberties very well. I wonder if they were getting frequent flyer miles. Uh, at least, like, <laughs> bonus bonus dollars for <laughs> the stays in jail. Bonus. They're getting points. Yeah. yeah. Added to their, like, domestic violence card. <laughs> 20 points and you get a free night stay. <laughs> at our local jail. Three hots and a cot. With their local finest. James began to develop these 
beliefs that foreign bankers were manipulating the Federal Reserve System, intentionally bankrupting the U.S. and breaking down society. So he's basically Alex Jones at this point. <laughs> he's he's basically become like the the Jew bankers don't <laughs> like nah, bro. Come on. If only he could see us now. He also blamed the failures of numerous businesses and Soviet aggression for the growing strict government regulations. As a result of all this, he became a survivalist and purchased thousands of dollars of non-perishables and six firearms in preparation. I'm sorry. He's not Alex Jones. He's one of Alex Jones's listeners. Um, I wonder how many water filters he would have purchased if he was alive today. I don't know. As a somebody lot. that's married to somebody that has cans and cans of hash, I'm a little like terrified. And that takes a lot. It's corned beef hash, madam. And it's <laughs> in case the apocalypse. Okay, I do have a little bit in common with this guy's sur- survival instincts. Yeah, I was going to say. Got it. Okay. Well, he threatened to shoot random people if he was fired from his job. He once attempted suicide for losing a job shortly after he got it, but Aetna stopped him. In September of 1983, James was involved in a motorcycle accident that aggravated his childhood polio, leaving his right arm uncontrollably twitching. As a result, he was forced to resign from his job as a welder. He tried to buy a six-unit apartment complex, but went through legal issues after the sale was botched when a real estate company reneged on its part of the deal. So the family just picked up and moved to Tijuana, Mexico in January of 1984. Then they moved to San Diego, specifically the San Ysidro area. There, James got a job as a security guard, only to be fired two weeks before the shooting. So this guy has just been, like, beaten down by life. Pretty much, yeah, kind of. It's like he got polio as a kid. His mom abandoned him. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's just been soul grinded up until this point. Mm -hmm. And I I just feel like it's not going to end well. We wouldn't be talking about him if he had a happy ending, Eric. Ah. (laughs) We would not be here. I see. (laughs) Fast forward to the day before the massacre. 41-year-old James told his wife that something was wrong with his head. Convinced he had a mental health disorder, James called a mental health center requesting an appointment. The message taker assured him he would get an appointment and a callback. He would sit by the phone for several hours, but James never received a callback. Hey, why did he not get a callback? Everybody deserves a callback. Everybody. Why did he sit by the phone for several hours? If, if I know anything about sitting by the phone for several hours, I'm one of those people that I get angry when finally when I talk to somebody and then I'm like, I'm angry. Then they play different music for me and it makes me more angry. <laughs> play different music. For yes. Me. They I always know, play man. different music for the you. The operator definitely left him on red. Oh, absolutely. Facts. Ghosted him. <laughs> he was just like, and oh, I'm your assuming... problem's not important enough. I was... bet they feel dumb. Uh, yeah, because he ghosted about 21 people. Eric! That was a terrible joke. Oh, sorry. My bad. (laughs) That was facts, but it was terrible. You weren't really lying, but... No. (laughs) 
So uh, why do we think that he was left on red? Well, they deemed him I as... I think that he deserved a second chance or a second date. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> he deserved a second date. He did a second date, something. The mental health facility that he called deemed him not an immediate risk. So somebody oh. that's working third shift just to make an extra little buck so that they can buy their liquor for the weekend? Is that what you're talking about? Because that's what it sounds like to that's, me. That's just a whole bouquet of hoopsie daisies. <laughs> that's like... It's a whole bouquet. <laughs> Does it smell good at least? <laughs> no, no. I, you know, I don't think they would. I think it smells like McDonald's fries. Oh, <laughs> well, this smells good. I like the smell of McDonald's fries. Yeah. Death. Don't ruin that for me. Death might be a different kind of smell. Is that what you guys are about to get into? Yep. Oh, I do not enjoy the death smell. On July 18th, 1984, the day of the massacre, James took his family to the San Diego Zoo and then they ate at a McDonald's in the Claremont area. It wasn't the one, not the one in San Ysidro that he uh, shot up. Cheap bastard. I guess. Couldn't uh, even take your family to fucking Friendly's <laughs> or Chili's. I wonder if uh, there is where the falling down reference comes in, where he like went in and wanted to buy the family breakfast. But they're like, it's only lunchtime. That's why he yells off. His huh? wife yells That must be what set him uh, off. That, that has to be. He, he, like, ate in a McDonald's Could you imagine? and wanted a uh, bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit. And they're like, nah, sorry, all you get is a Big Mac. I just and thought of, like, could you imagine if him, like, lose, like, losing his shit at the fucking zoo, what that would have been like? If he would have just, like, just, like, lost his shit up in there. Just start shooting and, like, animals in cages? Fuck yeah, like, punching giraffes, wanting to fist fight an elephant, something along those lines. Some kind of just full-on just, like, rage fest in the zoo. Rage punching a giraffe. <laughs> in the what? The ankle? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Kick him in the shins. Well, he's, he's got, he's got six feet of shins. Just <laughs> <laughs> Literally. Christ almighty. <laughs> I think that would have been a better story. But I don't, I mean. No? I would think Zoo Massacre. San I mean, Diego Zoo Massacre. It R. R. Been Harambe. That's all I got to say. <laughs> There would have been way more orangutans that were involved in that. So, are, are we just not going to talk about how he ate at a McDonald's and then shot up a McDonald's? But it wasn't the same McDonald's. It wasn't the same McDonald's. So, like, what the fuck, dude? Maybe the other one burned his fries. Like, the one that he went and what, shot up. What did he do? Like, Maybe. give him a test to see if he was going to kill him that day? Like, Maybe they were nice. You didn't fuck up my meal, so you get, you to, get live. to live. That would be really funny. Your ice cream machine was working. You, you get a pass today. That, that, you know, that might have been his opening statement. Did your ice cream sh- machine work? No. Bow! That was, that was just, that was it. Everybody fix your own. Just word to the wise. If you want to make $15 an hour, your ice cream machine better be fucking working. I better be able to get a freaking McFlurry. He asked him for an apple pie in his ice cream sundae. And they're I've like, always wanted out. to do that. We're out of apple pies. You don't get you don't get that today. <laughs> but does the ice cream ice cream machine work? Does that work? Uh, I, I bet it's down. <laughs> Probably. No straws in my bag. I'm going in. <laughs> I'm going in. Fucking blasting. <laughs> I have to like hoard the straws that I don't use in my door pocket. We, so we I have extra straws and do napkins. You, 
I mean, there's been times where I haven't had something in my bag and I've literally wanted to go in there and like throw the bag at them. <laughs> like full on, like rage mode. I'm, I feel that. I've never thought about shooting them up, but I definitely have thought about throwing my food there. I mean, okay. remember that lady in that video uh, that wanted her chicken nuggets that they fucking left out of the bag and she bust through the drive through window? What? Yeah, I'll show it to you after this. Okay. So he busted through something else. Oh my God, get out of my face. <laughs> after coming home from their day at the zoo and lunch at McDonald's, James armed himself with his guns and left the apartment wearing fatigue pants and a dark shirt carrying a bag. Before he left, he told Etna that he was, quote, hunting humans when she asked where he was going. During her questioning, she couldn't give an explanation as to why she never reported her husband. It sounds like he's just, going out for a hunt. When he said that, I immediately thought it was like, he's going out looking for whores. Well, I was like... If, That's where my brain went. If he went to the zoo for that, like that, I'd say it was he's a safari. He's hunting for whores. <laughs> I would say it was a safari. Well, oh, I make fun. dog jokes like that all the time. <gasps> he went on a human safari. Oh, my God. He went on a human safari. He's a poacher. He oh is a poacher. Did he get to? He didn't even get to get a trophy. Yeah. There were no trophies. He got a nice set of bracelets. <laughs> that he did. He could keep them. Oh, they wanted to keep them free. Oh, of of San Diego's finest. Uh-huh. <laughs> were they monogrammed with that SD? <laughs> they, you know what they might have been. Gotta were those at for sale? <laughs> can we find those for sale? <laughs> Some sicko probably does have those handcuffs. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I bet they're in a murder museum. If you have them, please reach out to us. We would love to see them. I just want to see them. Yeah, I just (laughs) want to see them. Just take pictures. (laughs) Don't make it weird. Take pictures of them. After visiting a Big Bear supermarket and a post office, we later find out he was actually searching for a location for his massacre when he looked at those two. <laughs> I'm sorry. He went to a, he went to a grocery store. And then he went to a post office. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't go postal. I was literally about to just make a postal joke. He didn't go postal. I mean, <laughs> I'm, I know postal. I'm going for low hanging fruit, but I mean, I like to do go for the you know the stuff that hangs low. <laughs> Shout out, Eric. <laughs> what up? Of his black Mercury marquee to the parking lot of the McDonald's at 460 West San Ysidro Boulevard. There were 45 customers in the McDonald's when James entered the building at exactly 3.56 p.m. He carried a Browning High Power 9mm handgun, an Uzi 9mm carbine, and a Winchester 1200 12-gauge pump-action shotgun a box, and a cloth bag with hundreds of rounds of ammo for each gun. He was armed to the fucking teeth. Like... He went prepared. That was a mouthful of equipment to say. Yeah, I mean, this dude had enough to, like, hold off an entire police force. Well, that's kind of what he did. Yeah. We will find out. (laughs) He first aimed his shotgun at 16-year-old cashier John Arnold, but it misfired. Pointing it into the air and pulling the trigger, James shot the ceiling. He then yelled for everyone to get down on the floor. 
He immediately pulled out his Uzi, shooting the 22-year-old manager, Neva Kane, in the face, killing her instantly. So an interesting fact about her, because we did watch the documentary 77 Minutes. Horrible. Which I highly recommend if this case like interests you and how it changed like modern policing. Don't watch it if you have a weak stomach. Uh, no. No, or God, if you're a no. Um, there is a lot of dead people and children in this this okay. documentary. It shows the actual police footage of them going through the McDonald's after the aftermath. Nothing's aftermath. blurred. But it says in the documentary that Neva Kane had mm-hmm. just returned from her honeymoon. I know. I remember. Like, fucking heartbreaking. <sighs> just to show you. Coming back from something fun is not worth it. Just slave away. <laughs> Don't get married. Slave away and die alone. <laughs> James shot employees and customers randomly, regardless of age or gender, shooting through the windows to kill the children who were at the playground. So he was all, all. He was spraying. Encompassing. He was spraying indiscriminately. Like he was shooting at people in the streets, just through the windows, through the glass, employees. I mean, he had enough ammunition in in a fucking Uzi. Like a long barrel Uzi, he could just fucking, yeah. Rough. (laughs) Ronald Herrera shielded his son, Mateo, and his son's best friend, Keith Thomas. Ronald took seven shots, saving Keith Thomas's life. Ronald's son, Mateo, was not as fortunate. That has to be a shitty feeling. Your Your best friend saves you. And uh, is in front of you. No. And then his his dad. The, yeah, the dad. That's what I'm saying. So the dad saved his son's him. best friend. Yeah, his son's best friend. Oh, they his both son died. died. Pregnant 18 year old Jackie Reyes used herself as a shield, ultimately being shot a total of 48 times. Jesus Christ, she's like Swiss <laughs> cheese. Yeah, there there's not much left at that point. 48 shots? Yeah, Wait. by the time it was all said and done, she was shot 48 times. Oh my god! She might not have had like. Was I mean, there more bullets? Feel all forty eight. But was there more bullets than actual like skin left? Because I feel like that that or like flesh left. Because I feel like that would be more. She'd be more lot. accurate. She's like the embodiment of like the Tin Man at that point. Pretty much, I guess. <laughs> I don't. I mean, that's oh, fuck. I mean, screw getting. Because she was it. pregnant, dude. Eighteen year old and pregnant. Oh god! And then so she she's died. using herself as a shield to protect other people. Like, what a selfless fucking act that a human body could actually take that amount of just abuse. That's worse. I don't even, I don't have a word for that. I mean, she's got a pregnant belly. There's probably more surface area to protect. I'm sorry. That was my horrible, that was my horrible moment for the day. The fuck is wrong with you? All the things. There's so many things wrong. (laughs) I need to take a shower after that comment. I need a drink. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah this is one of those episodes where we're going to drink heavy after it's done. <laughs> Three boys, Joshua Coleman, Omar Hernandez, and David Flores were walking up to the McDonald's by the playground to get ice cream sundaes when they were hit by gunfire. Hitting Joshua on his right side, Omar was shot in the back and David was shot in the chest. David was killed instantly. Omar laid there screaming for his mother as he laid there bleeding out and vomiting before dying a few minutes later. 
that's fucking hardcore. Like to to witness like some of your close like homies, like your mm-hmm. buddies, like one after the other. One die instantly, which that's probably not just tragic. The other one screaming for his mother mm-hmm. and watching it. And uh, Joshua laid in the parking lot with a collapsed lung, playing dead for over an hour after seeing his two best friends murder. So he lived? He lived. Yeah, he lived. <gasps> he has to live with that? Yeah, he has to uh, live with that. So most of the stories that we pulled for the research yeah. were from survivors. Um, what? Yeah. During so the documentary was one of our research sources, and then a few other news articles. Yeah, and whatnot. I mean, I watched a little bit of the documentary, but, but not enough to yeah. know that. So all of the like most of the stories moving forward are going to be victims that yes survives and, and watch to tell the family tales, yeah. mm-hmm. die in front of them. Yeah. We only know what happened because of the survivors. Yeah, because if it had gone much longer, like everybody would have been dead. Mm-hmm. This is like a horrible version of like. America's Funniest Home Videos, but it's not funny. Yeah, there's no funny. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's no funny. Like, there was corpses littered across that McDonald's. Every, inside and outside. Yeah. An elderly couple, Ada and Miguel Victoria, approached the restaurant, and as Ada opened the door, James shot her, killing her instantly. Miguel, kneeling over her body, looked up and was also killed by James. Maricela Duarte and family arrived at the McDonald's parking lot by the post office next door. She grabbed her four-month-old daughter, Carla, and began walking towards the building and felt the bullets hit her, describing it like a bomb hitting her in the face. She felt blood running down her face instantly. She looked down at her daughter and saw that she was bleeding also. Her husband, Astolfo, told her to give him their daughter and told her to run as he ran to the post office. After getting away, Maricela realized that she had been in hit in not just the eye, but the stomach, legs, and arms as well. Her husband had given their daughter to a stranger, so she could be taken to a hospital because she had been shot in the head, back, and stomach. At four months old. What's mm-hmm. crazy is she survived. I know. That was the why. Like, and that's like... The, I guess like that's a happy ending. But so. her mother says that it it has to be because she got to the hospital first. Mm-hmm. Like before any of the other victims were taken to the hospital. Yeah. I mean, if a baby comes in, like that'd be my first priority, but that's I'm like, there's a famous picture that was in the newspaper of her mm-hmm. with a nurse like over. Yeah. I saw that. Emergency services received the first of many calls at 4 PM, but they dispatched the police to the wrong McDonald's, which was two miles away. So you had one fucking job. Get that shit right. That is yeah. literally what your entire job is. To, okay, where are you? What is your address? All right, we'll send them there. What you're going to notice in this story is it goes on and the police look worse and fucking worse as mm-hmm. it goes. And McDonald's doesn't look much better. No. Which we'll find out. But there's some stuff that I left out about the cops because just it was cut for time. But I highly recommend going watching 77 Minutes. If you can stomach it. Yeah. 
It would be another 10 minutes before the first officer would arrive on the scene. Officer Miguel Rosario arrived on the scene at 4.07 p.m. under the impression that this was an accident. He saw James walk out with the Uzi in his hand. He saw Officer Rosario and opened fire on him, shattering the car's windscreen and emergency lights, forcing him to take cover behind a truck. He just, like, it just walks up thinking it's, like, an accident. Like, somebody fell down the slide the wrong way well, or something Well, he knew like that, that there had been gunfire and a little girl had been shot. Yeah. I do remember they that. They from- knew that there was a report oh, yeah. of a little girl being shot, but they didn't know what it was. It, it, they don't know if it was an accident or whatever. She got caught guys- in the crossfire somehow. Uh, of, like, some... Because this, is not, a great, this is not a great area. I mean, it's on the border of Mexico. Yeah, it's like you can, I'm pretty sure like you can see the Tijuana border crossing from that McDonald's. Literally, San Diego annexed this part of Mexico into San Diego. Officer Rosario refused to return fire, believing that James had accomplices that would back him up. He called for a Code 10 to send SWAT and then a Code 11 to, quote, send in everybody. What's crazy about this is because James was using three different firearms. He had made no idea. They had ground to believe that there was three shooters because nobody expected a guy to be armed to the fucking teeth in such a manner. It's like terrifyingly armed. Like that's like something out of like a horror movie. Yeah. Terminator. Like Terminator shit. So back in the McDonald's. James drank sodas, he listened to rock music on a portable radio, and he threw french fries at one of his victims as he continued his rampage. Oh, respect. I'm okay with this. I'm totally respecting all of this. I wonder what he was listening to in 1984. (laughs) Check it off. Christian's a psycho. I'm just going to do this every time. I know. What was he listening to? If there was no Iron Maiden that was playing, then I I don't respect it anymore. It was the 80s. <gasps> there was, was totally was, Iron Maiden that was playing. It was like Rush's Tom Sawyer out by oh that Oh, my point. God. He's playing Tom Sawyer. <laughs> like the Tom Sawyer part. He like throws like a handful of French fries at them. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm visualizing it. Why has nobody made a music video of this? I need it. Probably because this was terrible tragedy, Christian. (laughs) Music video quality. (laughs) James stated that during the massacre, he had killed thousands in Vietnam, but he never actually served in any military branch at all. (laughs) And delusional thoughts from Fantasy Island. Stolen valor makes it even worse. Stolen valor. What a scumbag. So he's having Vietnam flashbacks without actually going to Vietnam? This is just the cherry on the potential ice cream sundae he could have had. But the the machine was probably broken. James would walk up to people that were clearly dead and start kicking them or spray them with another round of gunfire. That's just some sadistic shit, dude. Like... Ah, uh, he's dead. In front of his victims that are still alive. I don't think anybody's alive dying. In, in the inside at this point. Oh yeah, there are. There are. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's, like out in like the like in the not in the kitchen. Um, out there's a couple. The, there. Yeah. 
I Want to Break Free by Queen there, is definitely there was on his one playlist. Woman that they interview that said she just whispered to her daughters that it's the ice maker that exploded and that's what was making all the noise. She was rubbing her two daughters' heads and just like they played dead anytime he like walked over to them. Like, really fucking... Well, that doesn't sound like it's actually going to do anything shit. for you, considering that he's, you know, shooting the dead, so... Well, I mean, worked. it worked. She lived. This man mm-hmm. needs to play craps. <laughs> he's gambling. He's not very lucky. No, he's, he's gamb- not lucky. No, he's gambling with people's lives. I don't get the joke. No, he's gambling with people's lives. Craps, you know. All right. That joke was crap. <laughs> <laughs> James began firing into the kitchen as bullets were ricocheting off the stainless steel in the kitchen. The employees that were still alive hid while they were wondering where the police were. Yeah, they they really uh, they dropped the ball. On we're about shoot. halfway through this this shooting, mm-hmm. I would say, and yeah, a little over halfway. Yeah. Probably. I mean, yeah. I'm just going to chalk it it's up about. and say it's about the halfway point. And there's one officer on the scene. One. One. But he called for backup. He did call for backup. We're at least, at least he did that. We're, we're getting somewhere with it. Yeah. Eventually, James heard them around 35 to 45 minutes into the massacre and began shooting at them. Margarita Padilla encouraged her co-workers to make a run for the rear exit. As they ran for the exit, she was killed by gunfire. That's got to suck because that was her fucking idea. I know, and she's the one that died. They all ran, and she got caught by a bullet. When most of her co-workers made it to the emergency exit, they realized it was locked. The management had locked the emergency exit because they were afraid the employees would steal food. I mean, I like their French fries too, but I don't know if I would steal them over that kind of. Yeah, I'm not. You're losing pennies. And look what that fucking. Oh, dude! If if all the survivors should have sued the eternal shit out of McDonald's for that, because they they were there, they were at the fucking exit. Mm-hmm. They could have gotten out. They could have escaped. Most restaurants have it where you can go out the back door as an exit, but coming back in, it is well, locked. Well, I think they're going to come back in. Well, yeah, but most of them, like, you know, it's an exit door. Yeah, but they were worried door. about probably them letting their friends in to steal food and shit. Oh. Uh, mm. Maybe it should be like an asshole, like it's an exit door, not an enter door. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> What's up with you and the doo-doo humor tonight? I don't know. I'm just throwing out <laughs> shit out there. Yeah, it's it, it shows. <laughs> when the employees realized that the emergency exit was locked, they had to hide in a storage closet. How many employees is this that are, like, running? Is this, like, one I or two? I believe it was, like, six. Six. Six in a storage closet? In a storage closet. What are they do, sitting on top of each other? And, I mean, whatever uh, you gotta do to survive. If, yeah, you're just trying to fight for your life at this I point. I mean, a lot of them are probably wounded. Like, mm-hmm. just from ricocheting bullets just spraying there everywhere. There was also a baby in the storage mm-hmm. closet, too. Somebody handed the, uh, I guess, an employee a baby. <laughs> Here, take my baby. I would. Yeah. Without crazy. a doubt. Go hide in the freaking mob closet. Mm-hmm. 
Albert Leos was shot five times, and he would have shot more, but James had ran out of ammo and had to return to his duffel bag to reload. Albert couldn't walk and had to crawl from the main floor to the downstairs closet where his other co-workers were hiding. Sliding against the door, he begged them to let him in. His co-workers opened the door and quickly drug him into the closet. Albert had to use shoelaces as tourniquets and had to bite down on cloth so James wouldn't hear him groaning from the pain. Which I, as, as this guy was talking and like relaying his story, he is shot five times. Oh, he was like 16 and mm-hmm. just lit up. Like so, my question: He could have followed the blood trail as he's dragging himself down the stairs to a storage closet. He could out. Uh, James could have been like, "Oh, someone survived. Let me follow the blood trail." I think, at and that he point, could have fought like. I, I think at that point, there's so much blood fucking everywhere. Yeah, but you're gonna notice. A random blood trail dragging. Yeah, but I mean, he witnessed several people run down the hallway into the stairs as he shot a couple of the employees. So he knows that there's a downstairs at this point or mm-hmm. some type of closet or something. Mm-hmm. As somebody that's probably like unhinged, I'm thinking he's going for the aspect of like they're, they're in the scared rabbit the aspect. He's like, they're not getting anywhere. They're not going to go anywhere. They'll still be there. Yeah, maybe. And then they're going to panic. Maybe he just put a pin in that. If they're yeah. going to panic and sit there. Well, he knows the back door's locked if he saw him try to get out. Yeah. So he oh, knows he, where they're at. He probably sadistically smiled at that. He's like, ooh, that's going to be a fun surprise for later. That's right. going to be like his own version of a super sexy Sunday. It's going to be his finale. It's just, just to mow the people down that thought they were going to escape. But that was my thought whenever he was talking last night when we watched yeah. it. I was like, he definitely could have just... Followed the blood trail. Oh, yeah. I mean, but he was busy reloading all of his guns. I mean, because he wasted all of his ammunition and his magazines on the other co-workers. It sounds like he saw him, like, dragging himself away, though. Oh, yeah. I don't know. That was just... That, the fact that, that was my first thought. The fact that he was smart enough at that age to use his shoelaces mm-hmm. as a tourniquet for his leg and arm Mm -hmm. and then just bite down on a piece of cloth to muffle the screaming like the the wincing and Mm -hmm. groaning very survival instinct absolutely when swat arrived james fled back inside the restaurant and a standoff ensued six blocks surrounding the mcdonald's were closed off as a result The officers readied themselves in their squad cars as reporter Monica Zetch reported on the progressing events from the view of a small airplane flying overhead. Nearby Interstate 5 and the Tijuana border crossing were shut down for the day because they were right in the line of James's fire. So he could have, like, if he really put his mind to it, just started taking pot shots at a ton of people. Mm Mm-hmm. Finally... A sniper named Chuck Foster positioned himself at a post office south of the McDonald's and was able to get a good shot at James, who was standing near the counter. Around 5.16 p.m., Chuck fired one shot that pierced a glass window 
and hit James in the heart, killing him instantly. The the facts about the SWAT team from the documentary pissed me off so fucking bad that the the head of SWAT's beeper was off and he didn't get a notification about it till later on. Um, they rescinded the green light to take the shot mm-hmm. and then reissued it later on. I mean, this is just fuck up after fuck up from people of authority. Mm-hmm. Uh, from the, the message taker from the hotline to the cop that first showed up that didn't engage because he was afraid it was a hostage situation. It was just, it's monumental fuck ups. Mm-hmm. And then McDonald's being so fucking cheap that they're like, Oh, people are going to steal our fucking shitty Penny's burgers and fries. nuggets. Like, Oh my God, don't steal a Coke. Like come the fuck on, dude. The massacre lasted a total of 77 minutes. A total of 257 bullets were fired by James during the massacre, killing 22 people and wounding 19 others. James's victims were mainly Mexican and Mexican-American and ranged from 8 months to 74 years old. 12-year-old Zelia Huberty witnessed her father James commit this massacre. Well, that's got to fuck a kid up. Later... She later said in an interview, quote, I had a perfect view of it. I saw the car there. I saw everything. I saw people I knew who I went to school with. I wasn't thinking anything at that time except better them than me. Damn, that's fucking dark. I know that's a horrible thing to say, but as a 12-year-old, that's the sort of thing you think. But if I could go back in time, I probably would have killed my father before any of this would have occurred. End quote. That's some dark shit. What? Well, you have to. I'm. I'm gonna get into this a little bit. So, just after that whole thing. Now imagine that this person is actually like living with you. What they're like on a daily basis of like where their brain is at and how they're acting like with you and not in a manic like rampage state. They're in like spurts of rampage. So like as a kid, like, I mean, like parents get mad at their kids and have little spurts of rampage and you immediately feel bad when you're doing it. Yeah. But I'm thinking this guy probably did not have those moments. She if she Mm -hmm. said something like that. Some shit. How bad was it at home? Well, they remember her. Uh, the uh, what was the wife's name? Etna. Etna. They had a history of domestic violence where they were constantly like fighting with each other. Old Etna was threatening to pull out nine millimeters on the neighbors. She's like used to violence. So somebody that's used to violence is gonna be like, eh, whatever. At least I get a break. Yeah, I get a break. Similar to John List in a way. Yeah, sort of. Like, sort where of. it's just, like, this explosive buildup. Yeah. Yeah. It's, like, this just downtrodden fucking dude mm-hmm. that's been soul-grinded into oblivion, except instead of uh, killing your own family and starting a new one, on he, just, other people. he just went and killed a McDonald's. Yeah. Due to the number of fatalities... The San Ysidro Civic Center had to be used to hold the wakes of the deceased for the local funeral homes. 
Surprisingly, the McDonald's had repaired and refurbished the restaurant within two days and was ready to reopen. Did they even get the fucking bullet holes out of the? You know what? I've actually seen them. I've seen them remodel a McDonald's in like twelve hours. So yeah, they remodeled the one down the street in like the interior in twelve hours. So they sleep. They do it overnight. They close at like nine o'clock, and then by the next morning. But after discussions with community leaders, McDonald's decided not to reopen that location, and it was quietly demolished on September 26th. McDonald's constructed a new restaurant nearby and eventually sold the land where the massacre was to Southwestern College. The college set aside a 300-square-foot area for the memorial to the victims. Southwestern unveiled the memorial designed by one of its former students on December 13th, 1990. That's the way you do it. Yeah. You put a memorial up instead of, uh, let's uh, refurbish the Right, you, yeah. oh, we did our let's, renovations. Let's leave this fucking McDonald's here as a testament to, like, what happened. It would have been the, the only haunted McDonald's in the country, I bet. Maybe. We could have had a haunted McDonald's. Mm-hmm. I have no plans of going to I don't San know Diego. if I would. I don't know. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about that. Due to the fact that James easily outgunned Officer Rosario with his Uzi, San Diego increased its special police unit training and gave their officers high powered firearms so they could deal with similar situations in the future. This this whole incident changed policing as a whole across the country. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just San Diego. Everybody changed how they do policing across the board. So, and if you watch the documentary, 77 Minutes, I highly fucking recommend it. It's very graphic. It's very violent. Literally nothing's blurred out. Nothing. There's nothing left to the imagination. No. You see dead children within no. the first 30 minutes. But if policing and how things affect the police interest you please go watch it it i highly recommend it just like i did with someone cry for the children for when we covered the oklahoma girl scout murders i highly recommend that book it's very interesting it goes into way more depth than we did or want to go into yeah i don't so i don't want to revisit that no additionally psychiatric counseling was introduced to san ysidro based officers involved in traumatic incidents such as james's massacre the families of the deceased victims banded together in an attempt to sue the McDonald's Corporation, but their case was appealed. In 1986, Etna Huberty unsuccessfully sued McDonald's and Babcock and Wilcox, James's longtime former employer, in an Ohio State court for $7.88 million, claiming that the massacre was triggered by the mixture of McDonald's food and working around poisonous metals. So that was the welding company you worked for, I'm assuming. Yeah. yeah. So McNuggets and metal fumes made Get him go crazy. The fuck out of here. I mean, shoot your shot, chick, but that's that's yeah. not the that's not the way we want to shoot shots. I, <laughs> I mean, okay, all right. So the to say that McDonald's food caused this, he must have eaten at McDonald's all at the least time. once a fucking day. I mean, like, I eat, like, like once Unless a Unless she's saying the fumes from the fry later 
drove him mad, but I don't <laughs> see that happening. Yeah, no. She alleged that monosodium glutamate in the food, combined with the high levels of lead and cadmium in James's body, induced delusions and uncontrollable rage. It had nothing to do with his mother abandoning him. No, there, there wasn't any deep-seated dark shit going on in this no, man's mind. Never. Not James. No, no. Not, not a guy with a history of <laughs> violence. No. An autopsy revealed high levels of the metals, most likely built up from fumes inhaled during 14 years of welding. Autopsy results also revealed that there were no longer drugs or alcohol in his system at the time of the killings. Because he didn't need it. He had enough fuel. He had enough nightmare fuel. I mean, the guy did sit on the phone. I, I, I got to give him credit for this. He tried. He tried. He did. I'm not. I, and James Huberty is a metric piece of shit for what he did. 1,000%. Don't get me wrong here. But he fucking tried. And nobody reached out back to him. No. He he literally stood into the void and stared in it and not a single hand mm-hmm. reached back. And at that point, what can you fucking do? You you can the people at fault for this shooting, which the anniversary is coming up. Mm-hmm. It's it'll be, I think it's in two days. Yeah, Saturday will be the anniversary. The people at fault here are the people at that hotline. 100%. I mean, he still took it upon himself. He did do that. But I am going to point the finger. Nobody is completely innocent in this. There is no innocent party in this. No. But is somebody who, like, I... (laughs) When you when you reach out for help and you're told, hey, call this number if you're mm-hmm. ever thinking about doing something and we will have somebody talk to you like that just shows the crumbling mental health care in this country. It was like that back in the 80s. That's when this happened. Blame Reagan. Reagan was the main cause of that shit. And I don't want to get political because I don't care. That's not what this podcast is for. But. The crumbling mental health care in this country is absurd. And Mm -hmm. thank God that we don't deal with this is like we I hope we never have to deal with another situation like this. Yeah. Yeah. I know. It's it's a travesty. And uh, thank God policing's gotten better Mm -hmm. and whatever. But. I'm sure this was shocking to the police. I, I remember one person saying nobody imagined the carnage that they would find once they went in that McDonald's. Can you guys imagine what it would have been actually like if they wouldn't have shot him and they actually took him to trial? What kind of fucking circus that would have been right? to take him to trial? I don't think he, there would have been a, a trial. I think he would have killed himself. You don't think he would have made a trial? W- once he, no. I think um, the homies inside would have got him. Uh, absolutely. But I'm saying in a other world. We'll no, say, he would have taken his own life. You, I, yeah, I think given the chance, he, he definitely would. He if, was so if, far gone at if, that point. Well, you have yeah. to realize the police had not really shot back at him. They hadn't until Chuck was the only one that fired a shot. 
So, like, I'm sure that somebody, like, maybe took a pot shot or something. But as far as, like, a real shot at him, the Chuck was the only, the sniper was the only guy that. Thank God for Chuck. Yeah. Thank God for Chuck. But, I mean, if the chips were down and the cops were moving in on him, he would have just blew his head right off. Yeah, I think he would have eaten a bullet. Yeah. But, all right, guys, that's going to be it for this story. I need a drink. Yep. Thank you guys for listening. This has been an amazing month for the show. (laughs) Put y'all through the ringer. Um, (laughs) The the show is growing. Please keep listening. Keep downloading. Share it with your friends. Drop the socials. Well, as always, you guys can follow us on the main socials. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram. Uh, We release episodes every week. Every Friday. Yes, on Fridays. Freaky Friday. We do appreciate those. And as always, make sure you guys stay tuned. We have new episodes every week. And I'm excited to see where our summer is going. Sam, where are we, not what are we doing next week? No, fuck not, not a McDonald's. We are doing one of my favorites next week. <gasps> Can I tell them? Yeah, Can go ahead and tell them. We are going to do the Centennial Park bombing. Ooh, things that go boom. Things that I'm go already boom. there. I got a fun, it'll be, it'll be fun. I'm excited. So stay tuned for that, guys, and stay creepy, and we will see you next Friday. Bye, guys. Bye.